0: Learn more at marines. dot com.
1: It's Thursday, March twenty third, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. uh day off for the Guardians on Wednesday. As they get ready for the stretch run of cactus league play, uh, they've got what three straight night games and four out of their final six are are at night. So gonna be some uh, some long nights for uh, fans trying to get results here as those games will be starting around nine o'clock uh, Cleveland time. Uh, however, uh, that's uh, you know there's we've got some some news coming out of spring training, not necessarily uh, from the team. In terms of the, uh, the new rules, the, the, the pitch clock, uh, Major League Baseball has released a memo to uh, the teams to let them know that there's going to be some adjustments made to the way they enforce the pitch clock, but the essence of the 15- uh, the or 20-second pitch clock uh, is going to remain the same because they kind of want to see how it, how it plays out in the regular season before making any drastic adjustments.
0: Yeah, Joe. I mean, uh, from the recent, you know, from the data out of spring training, you know, last year the average spring training game was three hours and one minute. Uh, this year, the average spring game is two hours and thirty-six minutes. So, you know, they're doing what they want to do. The pitch clock is accomplishing what MLB wants it to do.
1: Yeah, and uh, from the first week of spring games to you know the the second and third weeks of spring games. Uh, The number of pitch clock violations per game, uh, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, has uh, has dropped, uh, you know, a little over two violations a game um, in the first week. And then since then, it's been a little over one violation per game. I'm sure Major League Baseball would like to see that number below one, you know, fewer than uh, average of fewer than one violation per game. But, uh, you know, it might take a month or so into the regular season before everybody's fully up to speed on that. Uh, with that being said, I think some of these uh, little nuances that they're talking about in the, in the adjustments will help uh, some of the, the strange situations where you've got uh, guys not realizing that, Hey, the pitch clock was running in this in the, at this point and uh, they they're being responsive. They're they're responding to uh, some of these issues that have popped up that the, the team's, Want to make sure that they uh, they talk about. So let's uh, you know let, let's mention these. Uh, it, 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 one of the the big ones is when the pitch com uh, system malfunctions. They're they're previously they weren't able to call time. Uh, now they'll be able to uh, you know call time out, have the the umpire stop the pitch clock and address the pitch com issue. Uh, and they're they're also going to make it so that pitchers can have a device to call to the catcher, which would also, you know, speed things up and make things a little more seamless.
0: Yeah, Joe. And, um, uh, you know, so, uh, the one, uh, one, the one, uh, kind of, you know, uh, ca- caveat in that rule is, you know, no time will be called if the pit, if the pitcher forgets his pitch comm device in the dugout, he's not going to be allowed to run back and get it, uh, because, uh, MLB thinks that might be a stalling tactic, so uh, you know we're going to have to watch that. Uh,
1: one of the things that not dealing with the pitch clock uh, that they're talking about with the rules changes, uh, the the shift ban, uh, and challenging whether or not a, a player was on the infield dirt uh, when the shift ban or when the shift is supposed to be in effect uh, when the ball is is being played, uh, they're afraid that teams would, you know, try to pull a fast one and let's say the ball's hit to the shortstop and they challenge that the second baseman wasn't on the infield dirt or was over the shift line. Uh they're not allowed to do that now. The the only uh player that they're able to challenge on is the guy who's making the play on the ball. So uh that that seems to be a a common sense thing. They don't want uh teams basically challenging other players and it, you know, there would be constant challenges of of where those players are placed on the field and uh, that would, you know, further delay the game or just, you know, give a team, yeah, give a team an extra out. Yeah, there will be no uh, spy in the sky calls, uh, hopefully, from uh, from this rule, Joe. Just the guy that fields the ball. Right, and that's what it's originally intended to. Uh, the other thing, uh, and, and this will be interesting to see how they do this, uh, they want new standards to be enforced for bat boys and bat girls uh re- retrieving the equipment because they think that that's going to uh you know, avoid some of these pitch clock violations if the bat boys and bat girls are on and off the field a lot quicker. Yeah, I guess
0: what are they gonna have the bat boys and bat girls out running sprints before the game and going uh, going through equipment drills? I mean, come well, on. I know it's I know it's a you know, I know it's a, a real concern, but geez oh man, that that seems uh awful picky. <laughs> Nitpicking. Well,
1: and, and and it does make sense if you've got slower or I don't want to say out of shape bat boy and, as <laughs> bat boys and bat girls, but uh, you want those guys to to hustle out and do their jobs, uh, especially on balls down the left field line. Don't forget, uh, Rick Manning had a a particular ball boy uh, down the left field line the last couple of seasons who uh, who he enjoyed calling out when whenever the ball was hit down there because uh, the guy just you know didn't seem to have uh, have it together out there, but Uh, we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. Um, we'll, we'll have to be timing some of these guys in there, uh, you know, sprints back and forth from the dugout to be in position for, for each pitch. That's right, Joe. I mean, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have Olympic athletes
0: as, as bat boys and bat girls now.
1: Well, we have a good time with some of the the clubbies and the, uh, the bat boys and stuff. in uh, when we're, we're down in the clubhouse uh, during the season. So we'll see, We'll, we'll be able to talk to them and, and, Get their take on the situation and what's different for them this year. Uh, also on brushback pitches or, or when a batter takes a big swing and ends up sprawled out on the uh, on the dirt, and uh, you know when when equipment is knocked off from a, a catcher or a, a shin guard or something like that. Uh, umpires had the ability to hold their hand up and, and delay the start of the pitch clock if uh, if they can do that. That that should help things too. Yeah, that's that's
0: uh, you know that's a that's a common sense uh, ruling. I think that's that's a good you know if a guy gets knocked down, he has to have time to kind of gather himself and brush himself off and uh, get back in the box. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and and prior to that, you know, during the first couple of weeks of the the Cactus League, the the umpires weren't doing this uh, to the chagrin of some of these pitchers and hitters, and I, I think uh, this was a a, a rule that, or a, a ruling that would be you know, one of the first ones coming just to, to make things right for them uh, that they were complaining about. Uh, in situations where pitchers are away from the mound to, to cover first base or to back up throws from the outfield at, at third or home, um, the 30-second the clock between the batters uh, can be delayed until the pitcher gets a chance to catch his breath and get back over to uh, the mound. We don't want pitchers getting hurt, and we don't want pitchers, you know, uh, pitching before they're ready uh, in between plays like that, especially when big plays happen. Yeah, Joe, when the the clock won't start until the pitcher is on the infield grass.
0: And this is one of Terry Francona's – Big, I bet you know when Rob Manfred and MLB went around to the spring training camps, this uh, this this uh, issue came up uh, and was presented by Cleveland because I remember Terry Francona talking about this, especially you know when pitchers you know had to back up first, I mean back up the bases and uh, you know they're out of breath, they're they're hustling back to the mound, so uh, this is a good rule. I, I, I like this. I like this tweak. Uh,
1: they will also be a little more lenient on catchers who. Are uh, on base or had just finished the the inning at the plate uh, in terms of getting their equipment on and getting back out. Uh, prior to this, uh, if a catcher was just getting out there um, in between innings to you know take the last warm up pitch, uh, the you know the umpire was stopping him from throwing down to second base, loosening his arm up, uh, and also uh, I, I believe there was a rule. There's a rule in place where it says if if the pitcher doesn't throw his last warm-up before uh, like you know 30 seconds or something like that uh, on that two minute and 30 second clock uh, that he's not allowed to he doesn't get his last warm-up so you know these are, are things that if the catcher is making a reasonable effort to be ready in time that the umpire can delay that that two minute 30 second clock
0: yeah, that 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 makes sense. You know, I always felt I always feel bad for catchers. You know, they get thrown out at the plate or make the last out at first base. They got to hustle back, get all their gear on, and then jump back out behind the plate. You know, it's not like uh, you know the, the the clock. You know, the clock is uh, really ticking on those guys, and uh, so hopefully you know this gives them a little room to a little elbow room to operate.
1: And and finally, uh, so now when the hitters uh, call timeout because they're allowed one timeout per at bat, uh, they th- previously the uh, the clock was starting from 15 seconds uh, when the players stepped back in the box and the pitchers could potentially hold the ball on the mound for uh, a longer period of time if they were ready and waiting for the pitcher to uh, step for the hitter to step back in. Uh, now uh, the new under the new guidelines. Uh, regardless of where the batter is is uh standing or where he's ready he has to indicate to the umpire that he's ready to resume play and then the umpire will tell the uh the clock operator hey let's let's wind the clock and go
0: yeah so if the batter is standing what on the on deck circle he can tell okay i'm i'm ready and then he jumps back and you know sprints over to the box and and gets ready to hit i guess but uh yeah this is uh that's going to be interesting to see how that one works
1: so uh, these are, are what we talked about the nuances and the subtle little tweaks that would be happening and we'll probably expect to see a few more of these come out within the first couple of weeks of the regular season games uh, when they start uh, there might be some weird situations in those first couple of week games but uh, you know once we get to about late April and you know early May I think they're expecting that this system will be running smoothly and and there won't be uh, you know much much griping or arguing about it yeah, Joe.
0: I think they found the same things in the minors when they introduced these rules. You know, it took a month. It took, a, you know, like four or five weeks to with the players to adjust, and then you know it went along pretty smooth, smoothly. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that. Uh, you know, the same thing will happen in the big leagues. You know, they've got a lot of players that have already played under these rules. You know, you've had all the spring training, 30 games of spring training to adjust, you know, there's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some, uh, you know, mistakes made. There's going to be some arguments, but uh, I think by April or may, I mean, you know, by may or, or, you know, by may, this thing is, you know, this thing will
1: be, you know, everyone will have adjusted, Uh, you know, in, in, the NFL, they have a play clock. In the NBA, they have a shot clock. Uh, it, it makes sense. You, you can bemoan and resist, and you know, say you don't like the pitch clock all you want, but this is how professional leagues package their games and you know produce the best product for fans. They they want games that are two and a half hours. They're going to get games that are two and a half hours. That's that's how they do things and and that's what this pitch clock is is aimed at at getting uh It's not gonna mean that we won't still see you know walk off games and you know celebrations and you know all the things that make baseball uh exciting and fun to watch, but uh it's it's just gonna be you know packaged a little more tightly and I, I think uh it, it's it's a good thing in theory uh let's get the kinks worked out so that it uh you won't even notice it after. You know, by this time next year, with the that's the the hope. Yeah, definitely, Joe. And uh, you
0: know, it's uh, you know, it's it's this has been a long time coming. You know, I, and like you said, there's going to be people that are going to grumble about this. Uh, but uh, you know, on I when it's April 7th or April 18th, and it's thir- you know 40 degrees at a Progressive Field. You know, you, the last thing you want to see is at like a three-hour and 30-minute game. So I think these games are going to be moving and uh people are you know like you said they're going to be packaged tightly the uh all the fat has been uh
1: you know uh you know cut away and uh we'll see how it goes yeah the uh the only group that i i can you know conceivably see never complaining one word about the way this goes is uh is uh deadline sports writers who uh a two and a half hour game when when the first pitch is 605 uh i think that's uh yeah it's a beautiful thing uh you know, to be done by eight thirty on a on a weeknight. So looking forward to the first couple of uh you know weeks of home games for uh for the Guardians. All right, uh news out of Minnesota Twins camp as we heard uh that uh George Polanco and uh, Alex Kiriloff will open the season on the uh the injured list. Uh these this is the the worst nightmare for the twins. It happened to them all year last year uh and helped the, the Guardians uh you know run right past them for a, a division title was uh, injuries. Uh, you know, you've got Byron Buxton, who's just now getting into playing major league uh, spring training games. He's going to DH for most of the season because, uh, you know, he's he's still working his way back from injury. Uh, what do we what do we think about what uh, losing Polanco and Karlof does to the the Twins' chances?
0: Well, Kirloff, you know, has that wrist injury. He's had surgery on it a couple of times and he just hasn't responded to it, uh, you know, responded well to treatment and uh, his recovery. He was supposed to be the opening day first baseman. Uh, Polanco's, you know, still has a knee injury, uh, he's still, you know, hampered by a knee injury from last season. Uh, you know, he, you know, he was their starting second baseman and, you know, really good hitter, a guy that always performs well against Cleveland, you know, so that, that is not good news for, for the twins. They're going to have to scramble, you know, and uh, who, who, and they just traded, all right, Luis, Luis all right. Yeah. All right. So, and he could, you know, he could have probably helped them out at first base or second base.
1: Right. Uh, you know what the twins off season, as we were told by uh, our friend, Dan Hayes, uh, our, the Twins' offseason was all geared towards uh, building depth to avoid these situations, to avoid the uh, the uh, loss of you know continuity when uh, you know players are injured. Uh, so they wanted to be be deeper at certain positions, uh, but like you said, they wind up trading away a player uh, that could have serviced them in, in both positions uh, that they now have a deficit. So uh, should be interesting to see how uh, that will will play out. Uh the Guardians got Andres Jimenez back from his tour with the uh Venezuelan team in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you had a chance to talk to Jimenez. What uh what did Jimenez say about the experience of playing uh in the the World Baseball Classic? Well,
0: he loved it, Joe. He was really he was really pumped up. Uh he loved uh you know, he said the best moment was hearing the national anthem, the Venezuelan national anthem played at a big league ballpark you know it had to be cool playing with all your countrymen and and your fans are packing the stadium and and Venezuela had a great run. What they go 4 and 1 and they won the pool uh the you know pool D and uh they lose to uh Team USA in the quarterfinals but you know they just had a a great run and uh he said you know he 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 you know I've heard that you know some guys you know when they play in the WBC and they go deep into it you know, they get back to spring training. It's kind of a letdown, you know <laughs> that you know because you know you're playing in spring training games in front of four thousand people, and uh, you know, and, and even it takes a while to readjust. But he th- he said that you know the work he did in the off season, the early work in the off season, and playing you know in the WBC against you know top level uh, competition, he he thinks it's going to help him you know go into the
1: regular season you know ready to win from day one by the time the next world baseball classic rolls around, if Jimenez uh is still part of the organization, if uh Brian Rocchio is still part of the organization, because that's another uh Venezuelan uh player there, uh do you think uh you know the, the Guardians could lose two middle infielders to uh you know the the, the team Venezuela?
0: Yeah, sure. I think that I think they could. It seems like, you know, You know, I'm not the greatest fan of the WBC, but, you know, the the overall impression across the board has been about this one in particular has been great. I think the players love it. You know, it's a break from the uh, tedium of of spring training. And, uh, you know, they... You know, we'll see how you know. Let's let's watch and see how the the main players from every team how they perform at the big league level through April and May and see if there's you know if it helped them or hurt them. That's 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 going to be an interesting uh, interesting uh,
1: you know kind of a data trail to watch. Well, I had seen the uh, where the headliners from uh, the from Tuesday night's championship game, uh, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Otani was going to head back to. Uh, uh, Angels camp and pitch in a B league game to keep him, uh, you know, on schedule to be in the rotation for the Angels. Uh, but then uh, Trout was just going to completely skip going back to uh, Angels training camp and head right to Los Angeles uh, where he'll play in uh, their their exhibition games right before the season. Uh, but you know, not go back to camp and and you know, avoid maybe that letdown that you were talking about there. So uh, you know, we'll see how the the, the major players. Um, you know, bounce back, but uh, Tuesday night was certainly still something that everybody's talking about, uh, and, you know, a, a lot of fun if you're a, a baseball fan. Uh, before we get going here, Ryan LaVarnway, uh, former catcher who spent time with Cleveland, announced his retirement after 15 seasons. Uh, LaVarnway probably uh, best uh, known uh, in, in baseball circles as the, uh, uh, you know, the, the leader of Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic, and he uh, he did that again this year.
0: Yeah, the man with the yellow bat, Joe. Remember when he came up for like a cup of coffee with uh, Cleveland? He had that yellow bat, and he he could swing it pretty good. He and you know he wrote his uh, farewell to the fans and said, you know, the only thing he he excelled at was was refusing to quit. He said he wasn't fast, he didn't have a great arm, he could hit a little bit, but he never quit. He never he never gave up on himself, and he and he thanked the people who convinced him that he was
1: better than he really was. Uh, he was a, a fun guy to, to be around and a nice guy to cover. He didn't uh, didn't get in the way of, of what was going on here in Cleveland when he was up and down. So uh, just, uh, you know, best wishes to him as he uh, moves on to the next chapter. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, log on to cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, sign up for our subtext updates. Uh, Hoinze is out there in Arizona now. He'll be in the clubhouse. He can text uh, updates and, and answer questions. And if you've got Hey Hoinsy's forum is the best way to submit them. Uh, either log on to cleveland.com slash subtext, sign up for three ninety nine dollars a month, uh, or uh, uh, send a text message to 216-208-4346, and uh, they'll send you back a link to sign up that way. Uh, actually, it's a, a really good gift if you want to uh, gift it to a... Uh, friend or family member during the season uh it's uh, a, a nice way to keep them informed about what's going on with the guardians uh, uh night game tonight and then uh you know back at it uh, again on friday we will uh catch up with you uh one more uh podcast this week on friday morning oh, we'll talk to you then all right joe